0: Welcome to the Living with Less podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea DeMattis, and I'll be bringing you weekly episodes to encourage and invite you along on this journey of living with less of the things getting in the way of our relationship with Christ. Here's today's episode Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's Living with Less podcast. Casey Van Norman is a special guest on the show today. She is the author of the newly released book, Nothing Wasted. When her publicist sent me her bio and book content, I wept and I knew that I had to get this woman on the show to share her heart with all of you. She is a wife and a mama, a professional counselor and a Bible teacher. So without further ado, Casey, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you, Chelsea. You're awesome. I'm so grateful and honored to be a part of this with you. um, I'm a mama and a wife. Yes, like you said, I'm nearing 40 this year, which is crazy. Ooh,
0: girl.
1: (laughs) Get it, girl? Yes. I live in Bryan College Station, Texas, which is uh, smack dab in the center of Texas. We live in the heartbeat of Pekazenam University. So I share a town with 75,000 college students. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So our house shakes with the football game. I mean, it's, it's like
0: that. (laughs) That is hilarious.
1: Yeah. It's a great time. It's a great party. And, um, we've just had a really crazy soap opera life and God has just been incredibly, incredibly faithful in all of it. And, um, my husband and I, we grew up in a small town um, in East Texas, kind of in the Bible belt of the whole world, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I personally grew up in a really dysfunctional home. We had a lot of um, addiction in my home, a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. My uh, father left really early on, so I really have a very typical, unfortunately, um, girl story of mm-hmm. dad that left and... Um, dealing with all those feelings, those lies of rejection. And I, but because where we lived and because it was really cool to be a Christian, I really embraced church and religion. And that was really my drug Mm. of choice that I used to numb the reality, you know, and when you're a young person, when you're a teenager and you're trying to figure out stuff anyways, um, it's also jumbled in your identity and who you are and the things you're filtering through all of these messages, deciding if they're Mm -hmm. true or false. And so a big one for me came when I was 15 and it was right after this true love weights conference, which is not a thing now, but it was a huge thing in the nineties girl. And you wore the ring, the true love weights ring. And there was this big, Tour that came to a church near you, and it was like smoke and um, all like seven Justin Bieber guys on stage. Oh my gosh. It was so ironic in every way because you're here, you're 15, and you're committing your purity to the Mm. Lord, and then you walk down front and you see all these guys, and you're like, (laughs) okay, wait, (laughs) do I get you at the end of my abstinence? You know? Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's really. Um, yeah, it was something, but man, I meant it. I really did as a 15 year old Mm -hmm. girl, knowing what I did and really wanted to, I wanted to be saved. Mm -hmm. I wanted a hero. I wanted a savior. I believed, I believed in Jesus Mm -hmm. and wanted him to save me from my life and put that ring on my finger and walked around proudly and truly promised my purity to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it was just a few months after that conference that, Uh, I was in a really compromising situation, and I was molested and raped by an older man. That in itself, of course, trauma um, that rocks a young woman's soul and heart and Mm -hmm. mind in so many ways. But, you know, the most devastating thing it did for me in particular was just that I really believed I'd kept my promise, and I'd made this promise to God, and it seemed like God had not kept his And so this threw me into a tailspin that would last for seven years, ten years, seven, ten years, I would say, into um, regretfully, uh, painfully into my 20s,
0: mm.
1: where I would just bury this thing. And then, of course, you know, you can't really bury anything and time no, heals right? nothing. And, mm. um, you know, that was just I just was using everything as a Band-Aid, whether that mm. was sex with another guy, whether that was popularity mm-hmm. or stuff or church, anything to, you know, keep people from looking at the reality and also to keep this lie going. I had this, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I had invested all of this resource and energy into this lie. So, you know, I think that was one of the things when um, I had read this book, I told you I got it. And I was like, I got to read it before I talked to her. And then I couldn't put it down. And I think because we all have brokenness, even if it's not all of that, I think we all have pieces and parts of broken things within us that we we try to cover up and we, we start living in this place of, well, I don't want anyone to know about this. And so we're like saving face, I guess you could say. And one thing that I loved when, you know, I read your book and you talk about the difficulties in your childhood and then, you know, into your marriage, you're really open about the painful parts of your past. And as Christians, we can typically feel mm-hmm. like, Oh, I, I can't share the messy side of who I am. Um, but for me, when I was a newer believer eight years ago, I came from rebellion and you know, you walk into church and I'm like, wow, everyone's like got it all together. But then when I had some of these older women come alongside with me, um, and they shared their hard places and they shared like the junk of their life that they walked through, you know, I was able to feel loved on and invited into relationship with these believers. Um, and finally could see grace for the first time, um, within hard places. So when you, like, what made you decide to finally share this story and pen it to paper? Yeah. So uh, the big crux of my life came at when I was
1: 30 years old, 10 years ago. And that's really when I started to write this book. I had written a few books before, but nothing this vulnerable Mm. and, um, nothing this reflective and, And so I, you know, the big part of my story in in my twenties is that I was in an affair with my best friend's husband Mm -hmm. and we were all in leadership in the church. And, um, this lie is just killing us all off. I mean, in from the inside out, we're just, we're physically sick. We, um, you know, it's dividing every sense, every part of us and every sense Mm -hmm. of the word and, my husband and I are just starting to, you know, we're affectionate, but we're not intimate Mm. and everything is just cratering. And so I was really forced. I know that sounds crazy, but Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I would pray to have the courage to confess this thing. And it went on for three years and just was so prideful and Mm. had invested so much time in this lie that for it to no longer be true of me seemed impossible. That sounds mm. crazy. But mm-hmm. that's that fine subtle line that Satan works with. Yes. Is that that you are justifying your actual sin for the sake of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we that's where it moves into this place of bondage mm-hmm. and habitual patterns where you can be a Christian and still be in some really disgusting, filthy mm-hmm. places. And that was me. I'm a believer. True blue go into heaven when I die. And yet still in this evil, habitual place of horrible sin where I'm hurting so many people and I'm justifying it for the sake of everyone. To not tell anyone is what's going to be the best case scenario. But the Lord revealed those phone records to the wife, Mm -hmm. my best friend. She found them. It all um, came to the light. All of it Mm -hmm. was forced to the light. And, Every single thing, we'll just, you know, kind of fast forward because I write through, I tell all of this story in the book, but um, every single thing that you want to imagine happened in the wake of that, it happened. And, you know, my family had to uproot from our town and move to another town. It was so bad because our lives were so intersected. Mm. But what your question is, how do I, you know, why did I decide to say all this? Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't find another way to see God. Mm. I just couldn't find, I, I had to say these things. I had to work through these things. Mm-hmm. I had to process these things. And yes, in context, and yes, with specific groups of people, but I really found the clearest way for God to be real to me mm-hmm. and no longer this conceptual thing that's one-dimensional, and for me to fully understand grace and receive grace for myself Mm. was to begin to say the hardest parts Mm. of my past, Mm. of my story. And when I did that, the beautiful thing was that all of it, especially as a counselor, I'm going, this makes total sense. Yes. The beautiful part is, is, wait a minute, God's not been lost on any of this. Mm. God has uh, permitted, allowed, governed all of these experiences and relationships to accord to his will and his glory. And man, if I can begin to find a pattern or a line through Mm. that, what am I going to find? And Mm -hmm. and that's the story is I found this true, true liberty and Mm. freedom and grace in Jesus. When I began to be honest about all those places.
0: I love that. So that's actually the next thing. Probably my favorite quote in the whole book was, God will never use honesty against us. Yeah. Um, I am like, uh, honesty and loyalty are probably the two highest things on my priority list of like who I want to be as a person, but also I can put that expectation on other people, which can sometimes be unmet in a lot of ways. Right. But, you know, we get that wrong as sinful humans where somehow we blur that and we think it's gonna, it's gonna be backwards. So how did you wrestle out that truth? Like you said, you know, finally writing through those hard parts of your stories and realizing like, God honors honesty. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because I'm a therapist by
1: trade. And so I'm seeing clients this whole time and I'm seeing clients all through my own mess. and, Mm. And we have these words that we're supposed to use that we learn and one of those is safe. Mm -hmm. and we use that a lot right now in our christianese language too that you want to be in a small group that's safe you want to be with friends that are safe and i'm seeing it's become a little over spiritualized because it's it's really it's really not um as possible as we think i was gonna say
0: it's hard because then there's an expectation there yeah that, like what is
1: safe for you and safe for me? Yes. And so it, I really had to start to put some language on it, and and found, man, God really is the only one that I'm mm-hmm. fully safe with, and that's okay. Yes. And now I actually have a lot of freedom in my relationships and a lot of freedom in my friendships and my church because I have zero expectation for you to be that for me. Yes. And that's a part of the story that set me free. So yes, my my language to understand safety is. The Bible explains it. I think the best, best verse for that is First John four eighteen, And mm. here you see this description of what true perfect love is, mm. which, you know, we read the Bible, we go, only God can give us that perfect mm-hmm. love. It's that unconditional love that needs nothing from us. That's perfect love. And yes, can we as humans um, strive for that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can we get better at it? Yes, that's maturity. Yes. We can go longer periods of time where we are giving this perfect love to other people Mm -hmm. and releasing other people from giving Mm -hmm. us. Yes. We can go longer stretches of time as we grow up. Um, But still, there's still going to be things in our life that trigger us and kind of spiral Mm -hmm. us back, even at our most healthy place, you know. And um, I just, I think what we're looking for in safety is that perfect love, casts out fear, and that fear in and of itself has to do with punishment. That's what that passage tells us. So we're going to be in this this safe thing where I found God to be the safe place and the safe love that won't use my honesty against us. Mm -hmm. I had to switch my gear in the way that I was thinking about God. I was waiting for God to punish me. Oh, Yeah. And when I realized that Jesus had satisfied that mm. and the light bulb went on and God is not, he's not punishing me. No, there's no punishment left for me because Jesus has fully taken my punishment. Mm. Well, now I can be safe mm-hmm. because now that is perfect love and there is no fear of punishment. So that's what I had to wrestle through. And that,
0: that particular truth in First John four eighteen 18, really, um, it helped me do that. So I think another thing that I really loved when I was reading this and honestly just getting to meet you over here for the first time is um, you're really vulnerable. And I love that. I feel like that is such a way of, you know, inviting people into the gospel and really being the hands and feet of Jesus. But do you think we can ever be too open and too honest? And how do you gauge that? Because even like doing this podcast, for instance, There have been, you know, some seasons where I've talked about our marriage where I'm like, well, the whole world doesn't need to know every single detail. Or let's say someone is, you know, going and speaking at Mops, for instance, and they're talking about marriage and their kids. Like, you don't want to give every single detail of your life. So how would you tell someone, like, how do you gauge um, when and when to not share and when to kind of leave room for people to read between the lines or honestly feel comfortable thinking Someone's going to read between the lines. Are they going to think it's way worse? Or you know what I mean? So I like that, Chelsea. I (laughs) I
1: like that grace that we get to have in that between the lines part, which
0: is
1: so often. (laughs) That's such a great question and one that I've really, really had to work through. I've been traveling and teaching for about 20 years now, um, which sounds crazy. I started when I was 20 and I'll be 40 this year. And I started in mops groups. I started. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Woman. I didn't even
0: say that because of that.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I know that's, I started in mops groups or, you know, just um, college Sunday school mm-hmm. and, you know, little backwoods retreats of, you know, every little Baptist church in these Yes. Texas, you know, so I, I started there and, and girl early on. In my twenties, I was so overzealous and so ridiculous and made the stupidest choices. I would get up there and just go on and on about
0: every little thing Right, airing out life. the laundry. Like oh, all yeah. of it. Yes. Here's my
1: laundry, smell it all. Yeah. You know? Yes. And you know, I think a lot of that, there's I do think there's so much grace. I think our twenties are for working those places out in us. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've noticed of my thirties is that you level some of those things out and you really learn to temper. And I always just go back to first Corinthians six, which in the context of where we're hearing this, we're talking mainly about sexual immorality, but then I think Mm -hmm. we can use this across the grand scheme of a check for our words because only because, um, it's also being used to talk about what we eat and yes. what we do. And yes. so, and it's just a simple little check that I use. And it says that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful.
0: Mm, that's good.
1: So, yes, I, you really do have your, there's no law against that of mm-hmm. us uh, saying what we need to say and missing it and saying too much, mm-hmm. not saying enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many fine lines and, and there's, So much freedom. There is not law against those Mm -hmm. words for us. Mm -hmm. And so I just constantly have to ask myself, I'm really permitted. I really have permission by the Lord to say the most honest thing. But I need to ask myself, is this helpful? Mm, That's good. And I really have to do that in every single context. That's why I don't write prescripted teachings. Mm. I've never taught the same thing twice. I don't go to one retreat and say, I'm going to come in with a theme and here's what I'm going to talk about. No, I spend a ton of time on the, on the front end of that thing going, okay, tell me about your people. Tell me about mm. what y'all are learning. Tell mm-hmm. me about your group of women, what they've been exposed to, what they've heard before. I need to know as much information coming in So that I can make that decision more quickly yes, and be more aware of, is it helpful for me to talk about adultery? Because in some cases, it is. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely necessary that women know that part of my story. Mm -hmm. Um, In some cases, it's not. It's mm-hmm. not. And that's hard on things like a podcast, but, you know, because you don't have a, but I even with that, like with you, Chelsea, I went and I listened to your podcast and I read your bio. And mm-hmm. so I know there's a lot of safety with you yes. have to talk about that because yes. your listeners are going to embrace this, mm-hmm. you know, honesty mm-hmm. a lot more than, you know, maybe another one would. Yes. So yeah, just, is it helpful? Because ultimately it's not about my story. It yes. really isn't.
0: I love um, that. But I get to use that because that's what God's given me. Mm-hmm. Tool. I really like that. Is it helpful? Yeah. Is I it need helpful? to think of that. Honestly, even within my own marriage right now, like Chelsea is saying this going to be helpful. Um, so good. yes. Gosh. Cause I can get really, I can get really tripped up by my own words sometimes because it's not being helpful to a situation. So, I mean, like you said, we can kind of put that like as a check across all relationships and everything. Yeah,
1: and and I can just give a another disclaimer there that to be helpful you have to ask questions. Mm. And so mm-hmm. if you don't know anything about the person, if you've not slowed down long enough to say, Hey, how are you really? Mm. Then you're not gonna know how to be helpful. So that's another check of that's good. really invest time here.
0: I think, you know, people that have a past, a messier past, you know, or come from seasons of rebellion or a broken home, I mean honestly the list could go on. But we often think that, you know, God won't love us based on the regrets of our past. I've heard so many, like people I went to high school with, you know, they'd all probably be surprised knowing that I'm doing a Christian podcast now, (laughs) just knowing who I was. But I've heard from several of them, like through the grapevine that, um, you know, when they've been kind of met with the gospel through another friend, it's been, oh, I'm not ready. Like, I'm too messy. Um, You know, God isn't going to be okay with what I've done. And one of my favorite parts, too, in your book is using the back door and front door analogy yeah. and how, you know, sometimes we think, oh, God's going to use the front door and I have to be, like, my best kept self um, if I'm going to encounter him. But you talk about how he comes through the back door and, like, meets us in the place when our house is in complete disarray, our life is in disarray. Can you explain that, like, front door, back door analogy and kind of paint that picture for everybody? Because I... Mm. loved that
1: thank you i do too man that's revelation 320 and that's um i love this mainly because you know we see people addressing unbelievers a lot in the bible but here this is god directing the church i Mm. mean he is speaking straight to the church and he's speaking to the church and those of us like me so often that are just walking this lukewarm life Mm. and he could do a number of things there. (laughs) But instead, you just see this God. Oh, it makes me just fearful to even think of this God that is so kind. He is so kind. He could just blare on through the front door. By the front door, Mm. I mean um, the part of us that everybody sees. Mm -hmm. You know, the part of us that's fixed up, the part of us that's the first thing you meet, the first impression that we make. Um, that we kind of can cover and hide and manipulate. Mm. But, you know, our back door literally of our house is where no one is supposed yes, to go. Yes. You know, it is it is it is totally um, all the mess. You know, it's where we hide everything and mm-hmm. where all our dishes are stacked. It's yes. literally where I throw dishes when I know somebody is coming over. <laughs> if somebody so shows good. up at my front door, I start throwing dirty dishes <laughs> toward the back in the laundry room, you know? So, oh, I, so you know, anyway... It's just a place that we Mm -hmm. we have all of our true, honest stuff. Mm -hmm. And in this passage in Revelation, you see God saying, If you know, I'll stand at the door and knock, and if you Mm. will open the door, and he said something great, I will come into the door and I will come in, and we can sit down and we can share a meal together Mm. as friends. Oh, what? Right. I mean, You could like throw a lightning bolt and punish me. You could, you could, um, you could shame me. You could give me. I mean, I deserve the worst of the worst Mm. in in these moments of rebellion where I am just in my case, literally prostituting myself Mm. out to other gods. And instead you come to this part of my story that is the least likely Mm. part, and you sit down with me and you have a meal with me. Yes. What? That is so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. I love that language. I love that that's the heart of the God that we serve, and I also love that He's saying your most unlikely places are the places I want to mm. be a part of, and I want to sit down in those things, and I want to talk about them. <laughs> I, I just want to have a meal, and you think about what it takes to share a meal with yes. somebody. Yes, I could fat, cry like, thinking Blair about fruit. this right now. Yeah, yes. you're like, oh, oh, let me find, you know, the frozen chicken nuggets yes. or some mac and cheese or whatever. And I can just <laughs> see God just sitting there. Whatever you have is fine. Oh. I don't even care about that. I just want to sit with you. Mm. I just want to sit with you and talk to you in this place where your prejudices... And your presumptions are dis- disarmed. Mm. And that's where our back door is. It's in this place where we don't have a chance to scurry around. No. And the best, you know, face forward. We have to, oh, oh, you've caught me being me. Oh. Nope.
0: and Come that's on where in. He,
1: yep. Welcome. And that's what he wants for us. And that's why he uses these messy parts of our story and our rebellious places, our embarrassing parts. And also, let me mm. just say this. This book is not just about the the broken parts. It is also Mm -hmm. about the boring parts, like Mm -hmm. you're doing laundry. Yeah, well, that's fun, you know. Yeah, I'm doing laundry all day because I procrastinated because I've been googling homework Mm -hmm. answers and Mm -hmm. I've been at the ballpark and all of that seems ordinary and average.
0: And those are also the parts Mm -hmm. he wants to be a part of and is using. So you mentioned that you know there's a story that you talk about in here at Bible study, how there's the girl that didn't believe her story was scandalous enough, but then yeah. you feeling like, Oh my gosh, my story is so scandalous. How would you explain to somebody or how would you point the people that are on both ends of the spectrum to teach them? Like your story is significant, whether it's you've been the the most endearing young Christian woman and walked that out so gracefully, or you've been the girl that, God came in through the back door and sat with you and worked through your junk. You know, what would yeah. you say to them? That was such an
1: interesting twist for me in writing because I kind of like you, I have this really um, scandalous life, you know, mm-hmm. and I have all the the drama and I can talk about all those things very specifically mm-hmm. and clearly how the Lord became real to me and showed me his character and nature through those things. Um, but I didn't have the framework of, Hey, I've been in a, you know, really solid home life Mm, and my mm -hmm. parents loved the Lord and they pointed me to this and I've been in church from day one. And, and so I ended up in this conversation with a friend and she, she confessed to me that she'd actually made up stuff about her life because she was embarrassed that she didn't have cool stuff. And it was like being in that high school lunchroom at the cool kids table and you don't feel like you can sit there because you're too good Mm. or you're too boring or you're too, you know. Uh, whatever. And, and, and so we ended up both realizing that basically we, we really had an issue with pride in our life that, um, despite our very different walks here that we, we want, we loved, we were loving the idea of who we were more than who God was Mm. and what we needed to put out there. And so we both were dealing with the same sin. It's crazy. You know, we have these, anyway, Um, I just this is all I say I this is the beautiful to me what God is telling us and what I'm trying to write about and hopefully um, accomplish in this book is that whatever you have been through whatever your experiences that you know acts tells us that every boundary has been placed for us that Mm. we were born to the parents we were supposed to be born to yes in the neighborhood we were supposed to be in at the exact point on the map and the exact point in history For God to be most glorified forever. Mm. Everything matters forever. Yes. Everything matters forever. And so we've just got to learn to use our natural life, where we've been, what's happened to us or not, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. the thing, as the lane of which God is made known to others. And so Mm. it's how he's proving himself to us. He's proving his love is real to us in all those things. And we've just got to learn how to look
0: for it Mm -hmm. and see it and acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. So one thing I have struggled with the last eight years that I've been saved is grace. Grace is my hard thing. I talked about this, I don't know, back in July. Um, Grace is so hard for me, but I love obedience. Like I love that God calls us to be obedient people. I'm like, yes, but grace is so hard. I think for me, because I realize I don't deserve, I don't deserve it. Um, but you talk about in the book about, you know, not until we receive God's grace and forgiveness for ourselves, um, are we able to give that grace and show forgiveness to others? And that really spoke to me because I feel like that's one of the things that the Lord has kind of shaken out of me over this last year, starting this podcast and it being all about John three thirty. Um, I've got to fi- like I had to figure out what does that grace really look like in my life? And God has shown me that over and over And I have been able to extend that. But how did you see this play out in your own life where it became, you were finally able to like receive Mm -hmm. that grace and forgiveness and now you can share it with someone else?
1: Yeah, for me personally, my husband stood there in the wake of my sin Mm. when I had betrayed and hurt him so deeply and I had nothing to offer him. My hands were empty. Mm. And his words to me, which is kind of the crux of my whole life and, and the book as well, his exact words to me and the Spirit totally, he'll tell you. But um, Casey, I don't know how to not love you. Mm. don't know how to not love you. And um, Jesus gave him those words to say to me because Jesus knew my whole life. Mm. Jesus saw my secret heart Jesus knew that all the sin all the things that had happened to me around me through me he had allowed to take place to bring me to this moment Mm. and when I could stand in that and go okay God you really are sovereign and Mm. holy and good and just and here you have this moment for me to for my husband to say
0: Mm.
1: as you say to us Every single day when we are just giving ourselves away that I don't know how to not love you. Mm. Jesus is saying to us every single day, I was made to love you. Mm -hmm. And to not do so would be to turn on my own self. And man, that just, that's where we get to go. Okay. (laughs) On my worst day. Yes. On my worst day, the promise for Jesus to love me is not compromised in any way. Mm and there is just not a single thing that can bring us back into the condemnation because it is jesus it's all about his work and he wants us to believe that and trust that so when i had that experience Mm. it was not overnight and it took a ton of work to that's the work of this book is that integration of your past with your future Mm -hmm. and um, how we bring ourselves into this whole picture of what God's doing in our life, but in order to do that, we have to really receive grace. We can't just keep telling everybody else about it. Yes, oh, amen. <laughs> you know, and we do that. We can do that really easily because it makes us feel good to talk about it. Yeah, and it makes us feel good to give it to somebody else. Yes. But it makes us almost feel a little mad. Mm. to receive it for ourselves because we couldn't fix us.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: got to get over this pride that we can fix this because we're not fixable. No. We're not meant to be fixed. We're meant to be finished. Mm. And there's a finished work in Jesus. And so uh, I just hope your listeners today, I've got to wake up every day and say take it myself. Like take mm. what is rightfully yours. Mm. And that is the grace of Jesus Christ.
0: Mm. Gosh, I lo- you know, when I read that, um, I actually didn't look at it that I didn't think of that. And I love that you just said that, like, that is what he says to us. Like, I was sitting here wiping my tears. Like, that's what he says to us. It doesn't matter what we do. His love is uncompromisable. And that's so yes. beautiful. Okay, so as we wrap things up, this is one of my favorite questions to ask everybody because the answers are so different. And I think it shows so much about the complexity of who God is and why he created us all. Like, I loved how you talked about in Acts that you were made for his purpose, for his glory. And the question is, you know, the Living With Less podcast is all about living with less of the things that are getting in the way of who Christ is calling us to be. So if someone came to you and asked you, what should I start with living with less of in regards to, you know, becoming who he's calling me to be, what would you tell them and why? I would say... (laughs) look at your life, Mm.
1: look at your life and cut out all those other messages of who you think you're supposed to be, Mm. um, who you're not and look at what God has done in your specific story. And for me, that is an extremely clarifying moment because, you know we live in a generate we live in a world the netflix generation where all of the messages that we're receiving have been categorized mm. to fit our needs they are pr- we decide them on preferences and there's so many messages sometimes that we don't even know what to choose and then we believe the lie that we don't have to choose anything mm. and that's not true either yes we believe something about ourselves and so if you are trying to spread yourself through all the latest, whoever's got the best book and the best podcast and the best platform and you're listening to what they say Mm. you should be, or no, 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 no. The last thing I would say is to let Jesus look at us in the eyeballs like he does Peter and say, but who do you say that I am? Mm. Who do you say that I am? And just to clarify that through the process of what's happened to us, around us, it just gives us so much clarity yes. on who we go to be now. Like we don't have to do everything. Mm. We we really have been meaningfully made mm. to do something really well. Yes. And, you know, I can tell you those things that I've been able to now look at in my life and go, This is what I'm called to do. I'm mm. not called to do all these other yes. things. But man, I am really good at this. Yeah. And I'm good at that because that's what's happened to me in my life, you know? Mm. And I've been able to work with Jesus on all of that and come to
0: the other side of it. Oh, I, that's so great. I told someone recently on an interview, I'm like, when the when Jesus says it is finished about this podcast, whenever that day would come, I'm like, I'm making an ebook on everybody's response to that question. And I want the whole world to have it. It'll be for free because- That's awesome. It is. I love hearing that. Like, I've never heard that. And that's so good. So, to wrap us up, I want to do a fun question. So, aside from being an author and a counselor and a speaker and a mom and a wife and all of those things, you run a nonprofit called Northway Farms. I would love to hear um, what you do there and how it's helping the women in your community.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I always said I, you know, really feel most comfortable in prison. And that's true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So it started several years ago and I just began to go into our County Detention Center here in my Mm -hmm. hometown. And um, we have the third highest population of female inmates in the state of Texas and um, in Brazos County. And so I just began to go in and teach the Bible and do life skills class and therapy Mm -hmm. and all of those fun things. And I just grew to have such a deep, deep love for women who have been through so much Mm -hmm. and see how the word of God changes them and impacts their life the same way it does all of us Mm -hmm. who been on the outside in church. And it was something very simple, like a relationship Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it is that completely changed their life. And I thought, Mm -hmm. man, what if I could um, do something that gave them a relationship outside when they leave the prison, they just Mm -hmm. have nowhere to go Mm -hmm. and everyone's abandoned them. And um, so we just started building tiny houses in our backyard. Oh, that's and, so great. Uh, yeah, it's cool. So when women, um, they leave the prison and they have nowhere to go and nothing, no job and no community or network, they just come and live here for a period of time on our farm, in our that's backyard. And fun. they work the farm and we connect them with people and resources and give them a chance to get back on their feet. And um, it just allows us to be a daily no, It's not this forced thing. It's really a natural integration mm-hmm. with our family and them, and they're a part of our family. And we have dinner together and play cards together and talk. And it's a really um, organic, wonderful thing. So, and Northway Farms, and people can learn more about that on my website.
0: That's so cool. That's truly being the hands and feet of Jesus and serving people that, like you said, they feel abandoned and they don't have a relationship and being able to give that to somebody like what a gift that is. That one can make me weep too. Um, so Casey, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun for me and I'm so thankful um, to have you be a part of what God's doing here through the living with less podcast. Um, and if you guys want to hear everything we talked about, you can find it in the show notes. You can find Casey on social media. And her book releases November 12th. Hallelujah. That's going to be a glorious (laughs) day. Um, You guys can get that book at CaseyVanNorman.com if you loved what you heard today. um, And just find out everything else about her there. And I'm excited for this book to hit the shelves and just bless the heck out of this broken world. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'm so thankful for each of you guys. And I hope you have a great week. And I will see you next Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find everything we talked about at chelseadematis.com. If you have any questions, please reach out over social media. I'd love to chat. If you enjoyed today's episode and are loving the podcast, I would be so honored if you left a review on iTunes or shared on social media. Your kind words and encouragement mean the world to me. And I pray to continue showing you God's grace over my life as you all journey this out with me. Wherever you find yourself listening today, know that you were fully loved and fully known by God.